0: Hello, my friends. Welcome to today's episode of the mindful minute. I have been wanting to bring this conversation to you for so long. And I am so excited today to share a conversation with Lillian Charles about our clothes, our bodies and our mindfulness practice. Lillian created Style Therapy in 2011 as a way to help women remove mental, emotional, and physical barriers to living fully expressed lives. She combines traditional personal styling with energy healing, intuitive consulting, and scientifically-backed life coaching methods such as EFT, time techniques, and neuro-linguistic programming to achieve optimal results with each client. You know, one of the original teachings of mindful living is in regards to the clothes we wear. It isn't about the type of clothes. It isn't about how expensive or inexpensive or cool or not cool the clothes are. It is in regards to how it feels when we clothe ourselves in these items, And I have known and taught alongside Lillian for years and years, and I have seen how much she embodies this mindful living technique. Lillian was also a student in my meditation teacher training a few years ago. And today she's bringing forward a conversation about how we use mindfulness, even when we're not formally teaching meditation on a cushion like I do. So Lillian is going to talk to us about the energetics of style, how she weaves mindfulness into her clothes, her relationships with her clients, and the way that she offers styling services. We're going to talk about vision boarding, prepping for date nights, and why Lillian chose meditation teacher training even though she knew she wasn't gonna teach meditation. This was a fun, uplifting and insightful conversation. It really gave me a lot to think about, about my own closet. Um, And I think that you will get a lot out of it, whether you're interested in what you're wearing and your clothes, whether you're thinking about teacher training, or maybe you're just curious about how we infuse mindfulness into the way that we live our lives. Listeners, you can learn more about Lillian, you can find her website, her community, all of that good stuff in the show notes, as well as links to teacher training. And I also just wanna shout out, I know these last couple of interviews have not had meditations at the end, I promise you'll get one next week. However, if you're missing them and you want a meditation, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter. You get a mini meditation, no talk beforehand, just the practice. Every single week. So, with that being said, join me for this conversation with Lillian Charles. Lillian, thank you for taking time to chat. I have been wanting to talk to you on the podcast for so long. I'm so glad you're here today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very honored to be here and was so excited to receive this invitation.
0: I'm so glad. You know, I was thinking this morning, I have memories of talking to you at Atlanta Hot Yoga. Like yeah. maybe after a 6 a.m. class, like, so for listeners, that was the very first place I ever taught yoga oh, in 2010, 2011, a long time ago.
1: Yeah. I worked for Lululemon 2012 and 2013. So we must've met in 2012. That is wild. I'm
0: so, so glad that we've maintained the connection. No. Why don't we start? Let's give listeners a little sense of who you are in the world, the work that you do professionally. Just give us a little, a little bit of background
1: on you. Okay, so I have a personal styling business in which I incorporate mindfulness, neuro linguistic programming, life coaching, emotional freedom techniques, and something called time techniques, which is a technique that helps you kind of unravel things from the past to help heal them. I help women one on one, and I also have a really stellar membership that I started this year that has just been such a culmination of all of the things that I love from interviewing people about Ayurveda to how to cleanse your wardrobe once and for all, um, how to create a vision board for your personal aesthetic. So my hope for women that I work with is really that they get to dream outside of their current confines, that they don't feel limited to things based on their body, their weight, their age, um, their location, what they do day to day, but that they really get this sense of, I get to be who I want to be every single day. It starts with this first action of putting clothes on and that those clothes end up really serving as, as I've been calling them, like your friends, like your friends start gathering around you and being like, yeah, I'm right here for you. I'm going to help you get through this day. I'm going to support the the feelings that you want to feel. And I'm going to, um, be a tool for a manifestation, a vehicle for change in your life so that you can light up all over every day.
0: I, I love what you do. And I love yeah, I the too. way you talk <laughs> I about love it, it. it so much. <laughs> uh, and it's, I think it's such an incredible example of a living, breathing, working. Mindful connection to your life—that is so different from what I often see, which is this—I think—myth around you have to sit on a meditation cushion, and your practice only lives on that cushion, and then you get up and you go do your life, and it's totally unrelated to the thing on the cushion.
1: Completely, and I—I I have said for years, this this closet thing is just a metaphor. Like it's just a metaphor because what I just described is beautiful and wonderful, but it also takes steps to get there, right? It takes some quieting of this storytelling that you've been told about what's available to you. It takes really cleansing things that are not working and actually letting them go, getting them all the way out the door and opening yourself up to the vulnerability of something that is fresher, newer, and more importantly, more aligned. And so without mindfulness, without these kind of moments of deep self-inquiry about kind of this rat race that we've been in or what we've been putting up with, none of that beauty emerges. And you do have to slow down and be intentional to do this.
0: So let's talk about what drew you to meditation teacher training.
1: Well, I don't think many people know this, but my dad was an ER doctor for like 20 years. And so my dad started meditating in the 80s because he had been just really overwhelmed, obviously. Um, I grew up in Myrtle Beach, big tourist town where the ER was very busy. And I think he was just grasping for tools to connect to calm. And so we grew up in our household with this person practicing mindfulness and my parents started practicing yoga in the 70s. So I had been surrounded by mindful living my whole life. In 2015, he basically made me do mindfulness-based stress reduction for 12 weeks. Um, I think he saw as an entrepreneur that I was just very stressed out, very anxious, very unconscious with the way that I was moving through the world, just very like, got to get to the next thing, go, 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 go. I was never pausing to think. I also have ADHD, which I'm reading all this stuff about like, (laughs) that you don't fully mature until you're 25. If you have ADHD, I'm like, oh yeah, I was about 25 when I started mindfulness-based stress reduction. Um, And so he really encouraged me to do that. And then, you know, I tried to use a lot of those tools in my sessions, but of course I wasn't, really sure how to teach them. And of course, you, you were the only person that I would have taken a teacher training from having been one of your students of yoga and knowing your style. And I really, really, really appreciate everything that you've said so far, which is what you teach in your teacher training, which is this should be an accessible thing for people. This should not be this strict Feel like there's something behind you with a cane, whapping you on the neck. If you fall asleep, this should not be something that you only go away for six days to do a silent retreat. This should really be something that is just part of your day-to-day practice, even if it's just mentally being more aware and more conscious and more, I want to say developed, spiritually Mm -hmm. developed is probably why I came to it. Yeah. So yeah, long history in our
0: family. I think that's incredible. I know your brother practices as well. I've practiced with him in the past before too. And I love that that's a family trait of thread in your
1: family. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, My brother teaches at his law firm and he taught in law school and he taught in undergrad. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he has a really lovely practice and it's something that we need. We're very high wired people in our family. (laughs) We are very high strung people in our family. so
0: And balanced with clear mindfulness, which is so lovely. So one of my favorite questions to ask people is what was your biggest hesitation or fear before you clicked sign up on teacher training? What made you pause?
1: (laughs) For sure. The line that said you have a regular meditation practice, because, you know, I think I emailed you back and I was like, I don't actually sit on my mat every single day. You know, no, I don't actually do that. I think I felt like, okay, well, I do know what this is about because I have done MBSR 12 weeks. So hopefully that'll be enough. I have enough of a background. But hearing from you say like, that's okay. Like you have a background in meditating. You know what it is to meditate really calm my nerves. And I knew it was something I needed to do.
0: So... One of the things, as I've already said, that I love is that you bring to this conversation and to the field of mindfulness in general, this you're entering from a different alleyway than I entered. And it's interesting because I vividly remember sitting with my teacher and receiving these mindful living tenants. The first of which is around cleaning your space, like what you surround yourself with. The second of which I might mix up number two and number three, but I believe the second one was the food that you eat, like mindful of what we're putting into our bodies and how it feels. And the third of which I believe was the clothes that we put on our body, how we carry ourselves through the world. When I received those teachings, I for sure was like, I have literally never thought about that. I have never spent two seconds Other than I need something to wear and I'm going to go buy the first cute thing that I see and just move on with my day and not pay attention to how I feel in the clothes in my day. And then you came into my life and this was the conversation I was receiving from you is about the feeling, about the way we move through the world. So I'd love to hear a bit about how I know you don't teach meditation per se the way that I teach meditation and yet you teach mindful awareness and you offer some of the same benefits so how do you weave what you took from teacher training into
1: the work of style well i love that those three tenets to me are those are things that we talk about one on one and in the membership as well because they're so related and I have often just like cheered in the background when I read mindfulness books and it talks about or follow practitioners that say, or spiritual teachers that talk about, no, your clothing is really, really important. So I do believe that how we do anything is how we do, I would say most things. And so if you are super unconsciously eating or super unconsciously just stuffing your home with stuff or super unconsciously just buying emergency shopping. As I say, like need something, buy it, need something, buy it. Like the way it looks on somebody else, buy it. Then you're just stuffing your psyche with like lots of cotton balls and then putting syrup on top. And just like, it's just this mindless, Garbage disposal, you know? And I don't think that people like to be told to slow down. I know that I do not like to be told to slow down, but adding that, as cliche as it sounds, adding that pause into what we put in our grocery carts, what we put in our shopping carts, what we bring into our homes. I mean, I'm even like a freak about what I bring in for my dog in terms of toys. Like, I don't want it to be certain materials. I don't even want it to be certain colors because if I see something neon orange, just like all over the house, it's going to like make me not as calm feeling. So definitely the proverbial pause of just, why am I doing this? Mm. What am I feeling here? What am I grasping for? What am I trying to stuff? What am I trying to silence? what am i trying to distract myself from and those are honestly like let's be clear those are scary questions for some people
0: yeah you know
1: because to stop and think about that can be um unraveling in a sense and yet without that pause and perhaps the unraveling afterwards you're just continuing in this consumer stuff numb keep going mentality So meditation to me is that and mindfulness to me is where do we take the pause before we consume and also how can we take a pause and redirect our thoughts as we're trying on clothes, as we are noticing as clothing on someone else, instead of judging or being jealous or uh, comparing, how can we pause and find something positive or get curious Instead of again just staying on this toxic loop.
0: I mean, you just defined meditation, right? How do we how do we find a way to be curious rather than stay in the toxic cycle of our thoughts? Judgment, 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 judgment. And I, I'll say this from a from a meditation perspective, and I'm I'm gonna guess you're gonna say the same thing from your perspective, which is none of this says throw everything in your pantry, throw everything in your closet, shame on you for the way that you eat or that you have to be gluten-free, dairy-free, whatever the cool thing is at the moment. And it is entirely about connecting to yourself and what supports you and awakens you in the moment.
1: Yes. I think that the word support is one that I maybe overused, but there's like nothing like it, but that is how I want people to feel about their wardrobes because so many people feel attacked by their wardrobes. They walk in and they're like, this is a mess. Why did I do this? Nothing fits. Oh my God. And just, imagine what that conversation could be like if it was, these are my friends. This is so supportive. I feel so great. It doesn't have to be skin tight. It also doesn't have to be baggy. It can be what I want it to be. I can have different things for different days based on how I'm feeling. I even have people organize their wardrobes in a way that is like choosing how you want to feel for the day versus everything that's just color coded. Mm, So interesting. up so that you can serve your feeling states and serve your moods versus just, okay, like all the pants, all the outfits that are like little granimal things that go together right here. Everything should go with everything when I'm done with you. Everything <laughs> should just really mix and match. But that support word is so important for people to keep in mind that they can be supported by their wardrobes and not attacked.
0: So walk me through a bit about how you invite a client to start connecting to a place of pause, right? What are you, what are you guiding or offering your clients that's helping them to create this sense of space before Mm -hmm. shopping or dressing or whatever?
1: Yeah. So for one-on-one, I have a really um, thorough onboarding questionnaire because people are like, how are you, how do you know within, you know, an hour? I'm like, well, you tell me what's going on based on these questions. So that's kind of how I help a woman get down to her own truth before we even begin so that she can see like oh wow these are these answers are like didn't even know those were in there that's one on one and then I have people really look at their shape and I am very very I would say I'm a strict master when it comes to this because people will upload photos of them holding their kids or on vacation and that kind of stuff and that's not how I ask for it I ask for it to be very truth telling fitted clothes background a certain way so that you can even see what your reaction is to that so that we can work there, you know, and then we take a look at the shape and I have people do this in the membership as well. They don't have to send it to me, but they do this on their own where they look at their shape and they just start to analyze, okay, where am I really excited? What am I excited about? And I often joke like if it's your eyebrows, great, <laughs> you know. If it's your your nail color, fantastic. If it's your clavicles, perfect. But what are the things that we are that we're excited about that we want to focus on? So instead of focusing on this, what people would call a problem area, I don't think any of us have problem areas. I think that we need to learn to zoom out and look at the big picture of our overall aesthetic. Again, mindfully, not just focusing on this one thing that we're harping on because we've had kids or because We've had, you know, a botched surgery or, you know, we have scoliosis or whatever. Like, how can we really look at the big picture here so that all of us is being seen um, in clothing and in a bathing suit and whatever we're wearing? Or if we're naked, how can we look at everything? And then um, really, really focusing on what do you want to feel like? And what would it feel like to dress in a way that honors all of your internal stuff that is creative, wild, imaginative, structured, whatever that is. Um, So in one-on-ones and in the membership, we do vision boarding in a really specific way um, that actually doesn't involve outfits and brands and that kind of stuff. It really involves things like art and nature Mm -hmm. and cities that we love so that we can gather like, okay, this is my essence, not this influencer that like weighs half of my weight and you know what I mean? So that we can connect into here and not just reacting to what we're being fed out here.
0: You know, this is so interesting. I just recently made myself this list. I have noticed that over maybe two decades, there has been a painting and a poem and a song that sum up me and my work. And I didn't, you know, I I knew I was like, oh, there's something about this that's inspiring or connective to me. But I just recently had this moment where I was like, oh, I see the, like this arc is completely the, I don't know, visual isn't even the right word, the energetic container of my work. And it's not, Anything. T- I don't own the art. It's famous artwork. I don't own it. You know, it's like not in my home even, but there's something in that, that sums up for me what I'm doing. It's so interesting to hear you talk about your vision boarding process in the same
1: way almost. Yeah. Yeah. Meryl, I see like a whole workshop that you could lead around that or a whole, I mean, like, I'm like, well, those are the, the first three chapters of a book that you could write. Those are the, you know, this is the, the wild and the soft or whatever it is that you're seeing. I'm from Myrtle Beach, like I said, and I was just in Charleston and there's been this, you know, I don't have a huge accent, but my parents, 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 parents are all from South Carolina on both sides. And I've had this kind of rejection to being Southern for all of Mm -hmm. the connotations that come with it, with tradition and relationship styles and the way women kind of have historically been and a couple of weeks ago and while I was in Charleston I was thinking why am I rejecting all of this when there are pieces of this that I long for that I love that I mm-hmm. want to incorporate in my wardrobe <laughs> you know <laughs> that I really 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 want to invite into my heart and into the way I dress and why am I rejecting this? And I know why, but I think instead of just going, no, none of this works, looking at the things that maybe we once thought were absolutely not for us and saying, actually, this is already built into me. So I need to love this part of me and I need to invite visually, aesthetically, energetically, these pieces that do work and are already there. And I think that that can happen from a city, from a piece of artwork, from a song, from the way that we move or work out, that we just start to just bring home all of these pieces that whether we've rejected them or we thought they weren't for us, is so important to the way we actually show up Mm -hmm. because then people get to see more of who we really are.
0: This is a bit of a segue question. I'll explain why I'm going here after I ask the question. So, I'm curious if there is a significant takeaway from meditation teacher training that jumps out. And what made my brain go there is, as you were talking about these pieces of yourself, I'm like, right, you you named that mindfulness is from childhood. Mindfulness is a piece of yourself. You didn't set out to be a meditation teacher, and yet you signed up for a training. And you don't teach meditation in a formal way, but yet you use it every day. I'm curious what pieces you might have pulled out.
1: Well, I have loved, loved, loved body awareness. I think and body scans are super important. Um, I'm also a Reiki master, but I don't like display that everywhere. And so, like one of the ways that I use that in February uh, when valentine's day is in full swing as i did um like a heart chakra meditation workshop where we did body scans and really spent a lot of time in the heart did some deep breathing in the heart did some almost i want to use the word excavating of the heart Mm. and just really zooming out and looking at what was present there and then coupled that with journaling and So I think having the tools to teach in a way that felt safe for people, I think that was a huge thing that I pulled from your work, from your training was having people feel safe. Things like not closing your eyes on the screen and really being present with people and allowing for pause and not feeling like you needed to just rip through the dialogue of whatever you were going to say in the beginning, middle and end, just really, really, really being soft. but also creating that safe container for people. So I'm using mindfulness and and teaching meditation in those ways. And I don't think I would have known those pointers at all prior to teacher teacher training. I mean, I know I I I wouldn't have known those pointers to make sure to incorporate. I love that. And it sounds beautiful. Oh, thank you, thank you. My mom was on it, she really loved it. Oh, love that! She tries to come to some of the workshop things.
0: So cool. Well, give us a little um, bit about your membership. Like, what does that look like? what do What do we do in in your membership?
1: So, um, I went virtual with my services at the end of 2019, which is bizarre that that happened that way. And I found myself, obviously, you know, we teach kind of this, we're teaching the same concepts over and over again. So I started creating courses and then selling them one by one or doing capsules around certain things. And um, so I decided like, instead of doing this here and there month to month, really giving people my entire content library, which is like, I think it's up to like maybe 15 tiles now, each embedded with chapters of content underneath them. Um, And that takes you through your shape and really outlining your shape, understanding your shape, understanding what supports your shape. It takes you through the cleansing process that I use, which is a very mindfulness. There's a meditation in the beginning, there's journaling through it, there's Um, setting your, your space up so that it feels really like home to you. And then of course, pulling out all of the dead weight that's in there. And then we go straight into vision boarding. So really, okay. You know, what's left in there, figuring out how you can um, create an aesthetic based on your body type and the things that you love And then all the other modules are like, here's how to get ready for a date night. And it's not here's the outfit to wear. It's here's how to think about getting ready for a date night. Here's how to Mm. think about getting ready for a trip to overseas or a beach trip or a here's how to rethink putting things together And then there's chapters under each one. So like someone will send me their vision board and be like, I feel like it's all over the place. And I'll respond with a video and I'll say, here's what I'm seeing. It's this, 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 and this. This is actually these dichotomous pieces really go together. So it's an explanation of you think that things are random. They're not random. They're all a part of you. And here's how to incorporate them. Mm -hmm. Uh, We meet every single month for Q&A and people can email me at Anytime as a member and say, hey, I'm thinking about buying this. This is my body type. What do you think? And I will engage with them in conversation just as a member, just as they would if they were, you know, one of my one-on-one clients. And then I have speakers and I have new content that comes out all the time. So it's actually a huge steal, the price of it. Every single day, I'm like, wow, you're really getting a lot here. But I love it that way. It's perfect. It is exactly as it should be in this moment. So
0: yeah. That sounds really, really incredible. And I I will say that even um, I know in the past, at least you've sent out periodic, maybe seasonal sort of lookbook email situations, which I always look at. I'm always like, this is so creative. So it's such a useful tool, so beautifully done. And I can only imagine that the content inside your community is the same way. It's
1: lovely. It's amazing. And even in the Q&A call, someone will say like, where do I find this? Or I'm really looking for this. And I'll pin them into this kind of master lookbook. And then later, if someone says like, I'm having trouble creating an outfit with this, I will go in and I'll say, here's how I would incorporate that based on all the things that I've found for you guys. Let's just use what's in the lookbook and let's just create all these things so people can go. Oh, I never thought about doing that with just like flats or just incorporating a little bit more color there. So it's a constant visual teaching platform that it is really exciting. <laughs>
0: Very, very cool. Lillian, I love the way that you are bringing mindfulness to life. Thank you. Thank you for sharing a bit about yourself with us, Mm -hmm. listeners. I'm going to link to all of Lillian's work, her community, her website, her social media, all of that in the show notes so that you can find out more if you are interested. And of course, I will also link to teacher training if that
1: is calling your name. And I hope it is calling your name. It is life changing. And even if you do not teach sit down meditation, it will help you in whatever format that you work in. And I just cannot recommend it enough. It was really an honor and a joy to spend that, those weeks with you. I'm, I have no regrets. I'm very grateful. Mm, thank you so much.
0: Really appreciate you. Yeah, of course.
1: Thanks for listening to
0: The Mindful Minute. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving me a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps others to find the show, and let's face it, we could definitely use more meditators out there. The Mindful Minute is recorded on Muscogee land and is produced with the support of Michael Sayhouse and Brianna Nielsen. To join my live classes, ask questions, or learn more about my teacher trainings, please visit merylarnett.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.